Greetings, you are now listening to the McCuffey Croncast. Stand by for your hosts, Brian Murphy and Doug Bruzzoni. They will be discussing your favorite baseball squadron, the San Francisco Giants. Take it away, Brian and Doug. Happy 4th of July. It's the McCovey Croncast, episode 61. And Doug, we're coming at, out at the right time when everyone's around. Yeah, I mean, this is this is prime podcast listening time. Uh, I don't know who doesn't want to, you know, just fire up the grill on the 4th of July and listen to a podcast about baseball. This podcast has been approved for all grillings of all types. Uh, you want to throw some uh, some bell peppers on there uh some some mushrooms on there yeah you, mushrooms you can you can grill those and listen to those podcasts that's right um hot dogs yes still still good turkey burgers whatever it is uh the giants are uh if you're listening to this their winning streak's probably already over but as we record <laughs> this they are undefeated on july 3rd um because they didn't play and uh they are on a six game winning streak which is mostly unheard of in in this 2017 season but it's it's positive it, it was all good the giants looked like a major league baseball team for the first time all year that's true they got us a really nice fourth of july present and we should not tell them that that's not a fourth of july tradition <laughs> uh they can come back in games now that it seems like the giants have to take whole seasons to learn a lesson that other teams are able to kind of pick up. So this year they gain the skill of coming back in the game. So. <laughs> right. It's like it's like a movie where like the world is destroyed, but at the end the hero at least learns a lesson. That's right. <laughs> and you're like, well, that's the important thing. Not not all those people who are dead. It's that you learn something. So good job, Giants. Right. You learn something. Or or consider this the uh, chapter two, the, the part two of a of a trilogy so this is the darkest sequel because it's obviously the worst year and last year you know the giants had a somewhat successful ending but it was a setup of like okay now they got to fix that bullpen and they'll take off from there no that goes the other direction so now whatever what's their part three going to be we don't know but uh one thing that is clear and i'm i have this whole list that i didn't send to doug i i send doug a rundown 10% of the time. It's really unfair to have. <laughs> um, but I have several items on there and way down the list, but I'm bringing it up now because it makes sense and I can cross it off. One thing to keep in mind is that Sam Dyson is the closer now. <laughs> Sam Dyson is the closer now. That is right. <laughs> the Sam Dyson era has begun. And, and I say that because uh, this is essentially the found money that the Giants bullpen has been looking for for two years. Um, I don't know if it's any sort of solution. His numbers in in, uh, Texas were extraordinarily bad. Extraordinarily bad. Now he's got age and stuff uh, and skill set on his side that really helps. And one thing I noticed in Sunday's game was that he... Doug, I don't know if you noticed this, but he makes mistakes with 96 miles an hour. Which, right. puts, which that, means that he's helps. able to get away with more, right? <laughs> he He's also a sinker baller, and he gets ground balls, which I think the Giants have loved our entire lives, that skill set. They they have. I mean, I, I enjoy it, too. I'm glad that they, you know, it's better to get ground balls than to give up home runs, is what I have just started always saying. 
<laughs> Breaking news on the McCovey Croncast. Giving up home runs is bad. <laughs> uh, well, there are certain people on the Giants who are not aware of that. So. That's right. That's right. Uh, and Dyson, to his credit, uh, has not given up a home run yet as a Giant, but uh, he did give up six in 16 innings with Texas. Um, I, I guess I'm only bringing it up because he's he's not looking utterly dominant, but he's certainly looking like, oh my gosh, this is a cut above literally everybody else they have. And if Mark Melanson ever comes back, he's on the DL. Um, you know, that is an interesting combination there uh, to continue the jumping around. I mean, the only thing I, I can say more about him is like he has power stuff and there really are f- three Giants pitchers on the 40-man roster who I could comfortably say that about. Um, yeah, I mean, you can, you're can you seeing why they took a chance on him um, and why it wasn't really a chance considering they were already in last place. Right. But, <laughs> but yeah, no, you can see the major league pitcher there that we haven't really seen the bad Sam Dyson this year. Even his first appearance for the Giants, which went badly, there were several defensive lapses behind him. He should have gotten a couple outs there. And he gave up some hard contact, but it also shouldn't – he should have been able to limit it. And it wasn't really his fault that he wasn't able to. So, like, I don't know what Rangers fans and Rangers executives have seen from him, but they were just looking at him like, well, this is a garbage reliever. Let's, let's get rid of him. And the Giants are like, oh, oh, we know garbage, people. We know garbage. <laughs> that is not garbage. I mean – in a very small sample size of nine in a third innings, he has 12 strikeouts to three walks. I can't think of any... I, I know this is immediately going to be wrong. I can't think of a Giants reliever since maybe Rob Nen, who has had, who had more strikeouts than, than innings pitched in the season. You know what? I bet Casilla had one. Seems like Casilla might have had one. More, uh, more innings pitched? More strikeouts than innings pitched, you know, as a reliever. I'm, they, yeah. It's a, I've uh, heard you're wrong with it. Uh, um, yes. And, and Strickland's doing it this year. And also. Casilla did it his last two seasons with the Giants as well. So it just seems uh, it just seems odd that the, when the Giants get a strikeout reliever of any kind. Um, and I only base that on the fact that he has electric stuff. And I don't know, I guess we, when we were talking positively of Hunter Strickland, which we've agreed we'll never do again, uh, <laughs> he, he certainly had hints at towards that. Um, I, I would guess I would call Dyson the more refined, better version of Hunter Strickland, but uh, he uses more of a sinker than the two-seamer. In any case, that's enough about Sam Dyson. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is, for the moment... The best reliever in the bullpen? No. George Contos is surprisingly the best reliever in the bullpen. A sentence that we have said in in patches last year, but previously in his run with the Giants, which is now five years old, he has he has certainly fluctuated from below average to or, you know, eh, he's not great, to he's fine, to oh, he's pretty good. And now we're actually teetering on the ah, he's pretty good to like Whoa, he's actually really good. But I would probably contextualize that with he is pitching for the Giants. So just skew <laughs> the results a little bit. But, uh, Doug, do you have any thoughts on George Contos other than nice surprise? Um, well, he's very handsome and has a good butt. 
Uh, that should be just standard, but let's let's not forget about that. Just because he's a good pitcher. Kudos to him uh, for maintaining all that. Right. That's that is tough. <laughs> I I remember you know he's he's a little bit older than me. He's a few months older than me, and there is just no way. Like <laughs> I my hat's off to him. Um, but Kudos, no, just keep doing the squats, buddy. Keep doing. Oh, he's going to. He does. Remember, he has told you he does not buy pre-stained workout shirts. <laughs> um, but no, he's um, he's had a really good year, and he's actually someone who a lot of fans are pretty down on this year um, because he's had he's had good ERAs that shouldn't have been that good in the past, and so they're figuring he's not that good, and that's a little bit the case this year. He has a pretty high high strand rate, so. Um, if, if you're not aware of what that is, that just means that uh, there's a, a standard number of when batters, you know, uh, about 75% of, of people who reach base don't score. Um, and so if your number's higher than that, that's usually not skill. That's usually luck or you, you get picked up by other guys in the bullpen or something. And, it's, and that number's pretty high this year. But he's also been a, just a genuinely good pitcher in addition to that, which means that he's had a, a year that he's been both lucky a little bit and good. Um, he has a, he's been striking guys out more than he ever has before. Um, his, he, he hasn't really been walking a ton of guys. And so it's, it's really good to see. It's encouraging. And honestly, even if all this leads to is the Giants eventually trading him at the deadline for a little bit better prospect, hey, that's, that's still a good thing. That's still a win. Absolutely. Uh, 44 strikeouts in 39 and two-thirds innings. So there's another pitcher with more strikeouts uh, than innings pitch. His career high is 47 strikeouts in 55 and a third innings. His maximum innings pitch in the season is 73. So a little bit over halfway. I mean, he's, yes, he's well above. His strikeout per nine is 10 uh, as we go into 4th of July. And his fielding independent uh, stats, his ERA, his fifth should be... Um, or it says 355. I'm looking at baseball reference. You guys can join me on, jump to the page, join me. Um, uh, but essentially, uh, he's basically been, I'm going to discard the 2014 year where he pitched in 24 games, 32 innings. He had a 288 FIP and a 278 ERA. I'm going to kind of throw that out just for the moment and say that he's essentially been a high threes approaching four FIP guy for his whole career. And his ERA has sort of always been under three uh, by season's end. And we've seen it fluctuate. And, but I would say that the last three years, it's been trending downwards or the last two years, it's trending downwards. He's a reliever. He's, he's 32. He's probably reaching his ceiling uh, as a, as a major league pitcher. It's not, we're not seeing anything really new from, I take that back. <laughs> his fastball hasn't gained velocity, but it, it seems like we're seeing a lot more movement on that slider than we've seen before. Um, and, and so that's interesting. And I would say that we're definitely reaching, he's reaching the end of his useful life. And if the Giants hold on to him at the deadline, I think that's going to be a huge missed opportunity. And it, and it should be part, because it will certainly portend to other somewhat big, or, you know, somewhat interesting moves not being made as well, I would think, because I don't see how a team wouldn't want him. Uh, any of the contending teams will want him. Any teams that are close would want him. 
everyone will always need a, a middle reliever of some kind, and he can definitely pitch more than an inning. Talking a lot about George Contos in, in that he he was like, we had to get rid of Chris Stewart. Sorry, I'm speaking as the Giants. <laughs> we have to get rid of Chris Stewart. How? Oh, we got somehow we got a useful reliever for him. Uh, and now it's sort of like uh, we need to make moves at the deadline because our team, we need to reload in some way. This is a piece you give up. This is definitely a guy you trade. Yeah, and, there's no question about it. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to combine the Contos and Dyson thing to bring in my every six-day persona and say <laughs> that Contos is pitching so well He's got life on that slider, and he's spotting his pitches well. And Dyson looks so great, and this could be like an interesting, quick turnaround to his career, you know, based on the quarter of the season he had in Texas, that I can easily see both of these guys blowing out their arms by the end of the season. <laughs> when oh, Dyson st- good Brianing right now. Wouldn't Dyson's amazing turnaround, wouldn't that be the perfect capper to it? it uh <laughs> Uh, because they're, they're both pitching just fantastically, and they're really letting it go. And that usually means that since they're pitchers, their arms are going to get hurt. So <laughs> trade Contos before that happens. I don't want that to happen. I'm just citing the evidence of baseball history, and it's cruel, cruel, cruel dickery. <laughs> um, in any case, the Giants are surprisingly getting help in the middle relief in the middle relief innings uh, from one guy. Uh, and I want to talk about one other guy. And basically this is all covering the bullpen, but there's going to be a fun payoff because we're going to bash the Dodgers in about 38 seconds. Oh, yeah, uh, I can't wait. So Doug, I-, I need you to contextualize this for me. How bad is Steve Okert? You know, <laughs> it's, it's not good. Um, he, He's having a lot of trouble this year. He uh, He's giving up a lot of, just a lot of hard contact. Not a lot of home runs, surprisingly. You would think it's home runs. It's not. It's just he is, he's walking too many people. He's not striking that many out. And it's, it's a little hard to watch him. My favorite part is when he can't spot his pitches, so he throws it right down the middle with reduced velocity. <laughs> That's the best version of a reliever really trying not to screw up. That is a good one. <laughs> well, I don't want to walk him, so I'm going to just throw it down the middle at 92 miles an hour. And that should get... Nope, that didn't work. I don't know why that didn't work. <laughs> um, he's uh, he's looked terrible. And that's saying a lot because um, they've got like Josh Osich on the roster as well, who's who's uh, who we talked about, I think, last week with his... He's a goblin because he's a terrible... He can't strand anybody on base, and yet for a long time that wasn't affecting his ERA. Uh, Josh Osich <laughs> hasn't been great either. He's basically like the Steve the Steve Okert who's pitched more innings. <laughs> he, he's like a left-handed Steven Okert. Yeah, he's... A... <laughs> aren't, they, aren't they both? Yes. Yes, they are. And, you know, you're going to find these, like, whatever guys, and a left-handed pitcher is always going to have some sort of value on a major league pitching staff. And I think I read Baggerly say that the Giants' bullpen begged Bochy during the offseason to not do matchups. And 
I would say that was still a good call, even though it clearly is not paying off in any significant measure because they're all really bad. But, you know, you can't have, you know, they tried to make Osich Affelt. Maybe Osich is a left, uh, uh, strictly a loogie. Okert seems like he's a little bit approaching that Alan Embry mold, maybe, possibly, where he could maybe face some righties or, you know, that that's my that's my ceiling for Okert is Alan Embry as as famous Giants lefty relievers. Uh, Osich seems like he they were trying for Affelt and if he's lucky he'll he'll be Aaron Foltz. <laughs> um, people, it's time for you to come here for the early two thousands left handed reliever discussion. <laughs> when we get to Chad Zerby, your minds are going to be blown. <laughs> Um, I, I, I blew my mind because he, Chad Zerby, I had for completely forgot. My brain made room for something else and uh, <laughs> got rid of Chad Zerby. Yes, continue. Um, <laughs> one of the actually, and one of the other relievers who was mentioned as having asked Bochi to not play matchups was Derek Law, who has just been generally terrible this year. So maybe it wasn't a matchups problem. Maybe it's just, uh oh. Well, that's the Giants' entire problem. It's it's not a it's not a get a guy going problem. It's a talent deficit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tim Flannery with the one of the best subtweets of the season, which we missed when it initially happened, and that was month a month ago, I think, when the Giants were like still thinking maybe we can turn this around. Bochi talked about giving guys some more rest, and Flannery's like, you Flannery tweeted something like, "You've given these guys a lot of rest." <laughs> <laughs> they're like they've gotten a lot of rest and they're not getting any better. I think they need to play. Um, and yeah, it's a talent shortage. Uh, man, uh, Chad Zerby. <laughs> Sorry, you really, you really getting me. You really got me thinking about some things there. <laughs> hey, he started his career like five and zero or something before he lost a game over three years because he always came into mop up and blowouts. Aaron Foltz looks like he's one of those middle... If you go to his baseball reference page... I'm sorry, Mr. Foltz. I'm about to say something really awful. The baseball reference picture you have looks like the middle picture between before meth and after meth. So that, is not a good, that was not a good ending to his career. Uh, he, he must have had arm surgery. He had a great age 33 season, so I don't know what happened there. Anyway, Aaron Foltz and Chad Zerby. Uh, Aaron Foltz... Uh, I'm going now. I'm looking at his line. Chad Zerby would be a, a, an amazing turnaround for Osich, and it looks like Foltz is much closer to what he could ultimately be. Yes, the Giants uh, are bad, but we knew that. <laughs> uh, everything about the Giants is seemingly bad. We've covered the entire bullpen. I feel like are we missing anybody? I mean, if we are, who cares? Dan Slania, which as He's tweeted, gone. that's a move. Stratton now. Uh, Stratton, there we go. Uh, which is interesting. Uh, more, more of that fastball, which the, the Giants don't really have. But um, oh, I was going to mention one other thing, and now I feel like I'm forgetting it. It's drifting away. It's drifting away. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> it was not that important. Uh, uh, and essentially, though, it, this is going to take. It, it's got to be what it's always been. The starting pitching needs to be better and last longer so that the 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 dinky bullpen doesn't get exposed as much and the giants are going to have to strike it or they're going to have to get lucky with a couple of the other guys moving forward 
Um, but again, if Melanson comes back and he's okay and he doesn't need surgery, he and Dyson, if Dyson stays healthy, that's interesting. And then the other guys in limited roles could also be interesting. I remember what I was going to say now. Derek Law, I remember saying early in the season, saying he probably needs to go down for a full season. And I remember very clearly one of the most frequent posters of the site saying, laughing at me, saying, that's ridiculous. Derek Law is talented. <laughs> he deserves to stay up here. He's proven it. Since he came back from the DL last year, he has looked bad. Yeah. I mean, it's been, yeah, he had, he had the one good game in the playoffs last year in game three against Chicago, um, where he looked pretty good, but it's, it's been inconsistent when it's been there. His location has been off. He hasn't had sort of the electricity on the fastball. He hasn't had the sharpness on the break and stuff. And it just, he's not the same pitcher and he either needs to rediscover it or go rest for a while. And hopefully that'll help. And it's hard to say why. I mean, we're obviously not experts. There's lots of reasons why if he's not injured you know i would hope that at this point in time baseball players are more communicative about how they're feeling physically i know they'll never will be emotionally um (laughs) because of the investments involved and it feels like if you delay taking action on an injury you're just going to hurt your career down the road uh so I, I don't sense that he's someone who's pitching through something. I kind of, my sense of things, so this is all opinion. My sense of things is that he's having a lot of fun and not focusing. That's what it seems like. Um, but I, I'm not sure how that affects, like you said, the fastball, the life on the fastball and all that stuff. Maybe someone can comment on how partying affects electricity of fastball. Probably not much, but... <laughs> or someone's like, no, no, it's significant. <laughs> I've done studies. Um, so in any case, the Giants bullpen is not great, but uh, their current closer situation is less aggressive towards the fan. That was my awkward pivot because I said we we're going to talk badly about the, the Dodgers. And actually, I'm not going to talk badly about Kenley Jansen so much as... <laughs> I'm going to talk about the giant or the Dodgers bad TV deal. So if you don't know what the story is, uh, Corey Seager, who is the best shortstop in the league, it has sadly, we must admit this, uh, is not the starting shortstop for the national league in the all-star game. Uh, that honor went to Zach Cozart of the Reds and Kenley Jansen came out and said, you know what? It's our fans fault. (laughs) Yeah, he was like, I'll say it. The fans are bad. <laughs> uh, it's a patently absurd idea, I think. But at the same time, there's a degree of I can understand why he would say that. I say it's patently absurd because there's a huge market. I live in L.A. There's a huge market for the Dodgers down here. People like the Dodgers. They speak positive, positively of them. And their stadium regularly draws three million plus people a year and they have a huge stadium and they are able to sell it out or get close to it most of the nights dodgers are not lacking in fans what they are lacking in is affordable uh, television exposure because the only way you can watch them is by buying paying 150 plus bucks a month uh for time warner cable which is now spectrum and changing the name (laughs) would make us change our minds about their service um but in order to watch the Dodgers, you have to spend a lot of money on cable. And I don't know if 
anyone else listening to this podcast who are outside of the LA area realize this, but living in Los Angeles is extraordinarily expensive. (laughs) And one of the first things that have to go when you're considering where can I save money is cable. Because cable and internet, you're going to pay close to 200 bucks a month. And in Los Angeles, that's a week's worth of gas. I'm just kidding. But it's, <laughs> uh, it's expensive. Yeah, it's half a week. Um, I, I guess all that to say uh, things could be worse for the Giants, but I don't think so. <laughs> I think they, things are pretty bad. But the point is, uh, what, do you, what do you predict is going to happen? There's uh, the ripple effect there. Uh, the ripple effect from Jansen from, saying that? from Jansen coming out and calling the fans out. I think the organization is going to tell him to apologize. He's going to say he was very hurt that his very deserving teammate wasn't uh, wasn't voted into the All Star game, and he thought he should have been. He still thinks he should have been, but he was attacking the wrong people. Uh, he has enormous respect for Dodgers fans, and he'll put up some put out some statement like that, and then it'll all go away. Sorry to give you the boring answer of what's going to happen, but... <laughs> that was uh, the worst answer I could have thought. No, I was just kidding. Uh, wait, so they're not going to trade him to the Giants to, to get rid of that distraction? I know, I know that the Giants have so many great minor leaguers they're, I'm sure, offering right now. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, o- Oker for Jansen, who says no? <laughs> you know, maybe they both need a change of scenery. You don't know. <laughs> hey, they have Dyson. He's found money. Why not just make that weird move? <laughs> just flip them. Yeah. Yeah. You could put belt and left. Jansen <laughs> <laughs> it. Jansen it. Catcher. Yeah. There, we go. there we go. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> um, well, one last note about the Dodgers. Um, if you go to, you meaning the listeners, at Longenhagen, L-O-N-G-N, L-O-N-G-E-N, H-A-G-E-N, on Twitter, Longenhagen, Longenhagen, there we go, at Longenhagen, he says, want to see a 17-year-old hit a ball 430 feet? And there's a video of a fully clothed baseball player, so don't worry. A uh, fully closed baseball pl- baseball player smashing a ball 430 feet. That player is the Giants' first round draft pick, number one, uh, Helio Ramos, whom Alex Pavlovic uh, dubbed a mini Cespedes. But I'm bringing up, I'm keeping the Dodgers in this conversation because before this video got out, which you should watch, uh, it's really quick, uh, and before Pavlovic tagged him with Cespedes, I got a frantic DM from Roger like, 48 hours after we recorded the the draft podcast. And he goes, ah, Yasiel Puig, that was right there. <laughs> I, forgot, I didn't even think to mention it. Um, so the idea that potentially Ramos has the skill set as a, as, a, as a 17-year-old between Puig and Cespedes, those are two comps right away, that's very encouraging. That's, that's all I was coming out to say. <laughs> yeah, that is, I mean the it, like to, Yasiel Puig has had some issues in the league eventually, but if you have if you can get someone with his talent in your organization, you do it. Or when no one could get him out for two months, yeah, in that first season, it, it's there. Um, yeah, absolutely, and I think that's I think that's the whole point of of what Roger was talking about, how the Giants sort of 
breaking the mold or breaking tradition and not just going for high uh, floor guys, but gambling a little bit on, on you get someone with some exciting skill sets and see what happens. Um, and, and obviously they didn't bank their whole draft on that um, because I, I think that's sensible. They, they had a couple of options and they took them. Basically, we're t- there's a lot to talk about with the Giants that has nothing to do with the Major League team, which I think we would all agree we're not paying attention to. <laughs> they're, they're so bad. Except they're right very bad. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to think... Uh, this is another tangent of about the Giants, obviously, and that is I don't think the Giants have had a winning streak with Bruce Bochy as manager of longer than eight. I I I want to say that that was the case. That's been the case is that they really haven't. I first of all, it's very hard. It's not a Bruce Bochy thing so much, although in the in other years, I might say it is a Bruce Bucci thing because of how he plays favorites and giving guys days and getting guys in there so they don't feel bad. But I guess what I'm getting at is the Giants, if they're going to have this 30-game winning streak, which some people want, it's going to be, first of all, unheard of in the history of the game. But certainly it's going to require so many factors going their way. Even a 15-game winning streak is actually what I was getting at. So some tremendous winning streak feels highly unlikely. And the only reason I'm tan- um, tangentially going into this is remember when Puig, uh, in that first year with the Dodgers, they went on some insane roll. I can't even remember what it was now. It was like 54 and 15 or something like that. Some really nut stretch um, with him. And I'm, I guess what I'm getting at is the Giants don't have that ability to do that right now. But if they start getting these younger guys in there... Um, yeah, stuff like that could potentially happen. If you have young and exciting talent, as we've seen, you can win a World Series and you can do some fun things. Brian, you are right. Their longest winning streak since two, since 2007 is eight games. So, <laughs> if they, so I, I don't see anything miraculous uh, happening <laughs> in that regard. But I mean... Hey, if they win eight of every 12 games going forward, that would be something. <laughs> that would be something. <laughs> that would be something. Um, okay, uh, well, I, I, let's stick to the exciting talent. Um, actually, yeah, let's stick to the exciting talent. Let's talk about Brandon Belt uh, is two home runs away from his his career high in home runs, and we're, we're just out the 4th of July. So before he gets traded, theoretically, he could have a new career high in home runs playing in AT&T Park. So thank you, Juiced Ball era, first of all. <laughs> but he had a great series in Pittsburgh. Um, he's, you know, he really did take a 45 or so game nosedive, or I'd say about 42. I'd like to point out that since the trade Brandon Belt article, He's actually, played, he's actually played pretty well. <laughs> so that's it. Brian is taking credit for for Brandon Belt's hot streak. Well, I was going to mention this last week, but I, 
you know, I was mumbling through whatever we were doing, and um, <laughs> and basically uh, he was 0 for 4 the night that that was published. But that was published June 16th, and we can all take a look at Brandon Belt's stats since then. But yes, essentially Brandon Belt, the 29-year-old first baseman who is ostensibly the second best hitter on the team, is starting to get hot again. And I think all of his funks before have usually seemed longer or just as long. Uh, basically what I'm getting at is it seems like he's never played this long without getting hurt. So that's why the long, the bad performance streak where his batting average drops, you know, 70 points or whatever it was. And, you know, everything, his OPS goes down like 120 points. All seems like, well, usually he gets hurt somewhere in there. <laughs> so whatever uh, emotional funk or biochemical funk he gets into every year, he doesn't have to play through it the whole time. And maybe just every year he has like a, you know, he has like a uh, something he eats. <laughs> so maybe he doesn't react well to the to the to the changing of seasons. You know, when it yeah. goes from spring to summer, I don't know. He just forgets how to play baseball. That's which right. You've seen it happen with the entire Giants team this year, so <laughs> maybe they should trade him. Maybe it is his fault. <laughs> uh, to anyone who's still saying that Brandon Belt is a terrible player and should be traded, um, I, you and I would never be friends, which is fine. <laughs> but uh, I would say mainly that that's really stupid. He's really, really darn good. Okay, since since the uh, trade Brandon Belt article, five home runs in 65 plate appearances, a 976 OPS uh, on base of 338. So below that. So he's still struggling there a little bit, but much better. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you're welcome, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe he really does want to play for another team. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I, I feel like Brandon Belt would be a terrible fit with the Yankees, who are the best trade partner for him. That's the right. thing. Like, that would just be not fun for him. Yeah. I would say that, that that would be the main reason why. Sure. Um, and the Astros don't really need him, but that would also be another sort of interesting place for him to land. I mean, I, uh, I could see him enjoying playing for the Astros, you know, not just because he's from Texas, but like they seem like kind of a loose, fun bunch. But playing for the Yankees, he's like a goofy guy. He wouldn't yeah. want to do that. That would yeah. have to like constrain himself too much. I think the Astros do have a little bit of a personality. Yeah. Yeah, they're not quite so corporate. Uh, speaking of personality, what a great seg, Doug. You're such a great host for this. Jaigun Huang. I mean, he his first major league hit is a home run and a partial bat flip did I see. It was, uh, yeah, it was a little bit of a mic drop that he, uh, he held it out and then just kind of dropped it. And let's be honest, it was pretty cool. Like, you're watching that. And it was like, yeah, do it. Do it, Jay. <laughs> Uh, it was. It was. A, I'm pretty sure that's the first mistake pitch a Giants hitter has hit in a month. So, <laughs> to right. that point, he got called up from AAA and no one told him not to do that. That's right. <laughs> no, in the majors, you take those pitches and you swing at the harder pitches. Um, Look, Jay, it's a little unseemly. We don't like showing the other guys up by occasionally being better than them. So uh, around here, uh, four four games played, thirteen plate appearances, um, four hits, one of those a double, one of those a home run. That's great. One walk, four strikeouts. This is what I was getting to. 
that walk was very impressive. He had a really good at-bat on Saturday in Pittsburgh, so much so that Javier Lopez, a pitcher, was was <laughs> commenting and complimenting it. But essentially, uh, because Wong saw the fastball and the slider early, and I think it was... Um, Oh, shoot. I just had his name in my head. He pitched for the Rockies. He was a starter last year, and now he's a reliever for them, uh, for the Pirates. Anyway, he saw the fastball and he saw the slider early, and I think that's what he was able that you know he was able to catalog it quickly and say, I'm looking for the fastball, I'm looking for the fastball. And he got a fastball right down the middle of the plate on a 3-2 pitch, and he drove it for the, for the double. That was a really great at-bat. And it's... I think I mentioned that Gorky Hernandez against Romo early in the season put together good at bat or whatever. The point I would say with being able to have good at bats is then do damage when you get a good pitch to hit. Yeah. <laughs> and then that's that's a skill in and of itself. And at least until the league figures them out, which might be six days from now or tomorrow or it happened already. <laughs> Uh, it's it's good that he can get the jump on people and he's not afraid. And that is a very important thing. Uh, that's something the Giants are going to need the next few years, is they're going to need guys to just kind of get in there and, and until the league figures it out, figures them out, sort of get the jump on on baseball. Yeah. Yeah, the Giants have... Yeah, I agree. <laughs> what about his defense, though? Because I was not watching that as closely. Uh, his, so I've seen him more in AAA and his defense has been a little bit spotty, uh, which is not ideal, but oh, that's just going to happen. <laughs> I'm, I'm basically at the point where I'm like, oh, I don't care that he has flaws because here's the thing. Uh, he's on the Giants and they need something fun and he's something fun. So let's just hope that. Ron Wotus can work the same magic that he worked with Eduardo Nunez to make him a good third baseman. That's my plan. Hope. And that, yeah. all right, that's a good plan. That's the only plan we as fans have. <laughs> There's literally nothing, nothing else uh, that we can do. And now it is time for the official Buster Posey death watch. Uh, Buster Posey death watch is in its... It's wow! It's in its third month now, Doug. Can you believe it? Um, and here's the report on that: Buster Posey is the sole representative of the San Francisco Giants on the 2017 All-Star team, and he got twice as many votes at catcher as anyone else. And he is the first catcher since Mike Piazza to start in three in a row. So that's Buster Posey watch, people. Yeah, catch the fever. So he's he's. Turning to ash before our very eyes. <laughs> you can you can just tell those are bad signs. <laughs> His on base percentage, uh, seventy one games played. Uh, the Giants are halfway through the season. His on base percentage is four sixteen, which is still sub Bonds territory. Keep in mind, but <laughs> is extremely impressive. Uh, he's already he already has ten home runs. He had fourteen all of last season. If he can have a good second half last year, uh, this year, because last year he had a bad second half. If he can have a good second half, which is not the same as this amazing first half he's having right now, that I think is going to be very interesting to see. 
because I feel like finishing strong would be even more troublesome if age was really a factor for him. Right. I don't. I don't like that the Giants are potentially wasting his last great full season, but the fact that he's gonna potentially he he'll still have he still has baseball left in him. But the fact that he could potentially be approaching, say, his 2014 season, he's probably not going to get to 22 home runs or something like that. But if he ends the season stronger than he did last year, I think that's just a good, yeah, I'm still here. I'm still I'm still the yeah. guy. Yeah, I mean, he's had, like, last year he had a pretty bad, he faded pretty badly at the end of the year. 2013 he faded very badly at the end of the year. So to see him avoid that would be pretty encouraging. And also just kind of, not miserable to watch. Yeah. I, I mean, home runs are, but the, given that the ball is, is lighter and all that stuff, they're going to have all those August games and, you know, guys are going to be tired and, uh, you know, he'll be playing more first base after they trade belt. Um, so he'll be a little fresher. Uh, I don't know. I think, I think it'd be cool. It, you know what? Let's, I, I, I want to throw out a couple of things. I want to, I want to see Buster Posey get to 20 home runs and I want to see Brandon Bell get to 30 home runs. Those are my only hopes for the rest of the season. I also want to see one Giants pitcher. I want to see one Giants pitcher get 18 plus losses. <laughs> well, good news on that one, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> are, are you going to okay if Brandon Bell gets those 30 home runs playing for the Yankees? If he goes to the Yankees, I want him to get over 30. That, that's okay. my that's my hope. I because I, I'm like 35 now. It'd be maybe 32 or 33, but uh, if he goes to Yankee Stadium, I definitely expect that the 30 is going to happen. So that's just whatever we can get over it. But Buster Posey no. hitting 10 more home runs seems plausible. I, I disagree about Bell going to Yankee Stadium. I think he goes to Yankee Stadium and he falls into a massive slump immediately, and then the Yankee <laughs> fans hate him because that is the most belt thing. And then if he pulls out of the slump. Like, after a couple of weeks of hitting like crap, he pulls out of the slump, but they, they still hate him, and they always hate him forever. <laughs> that's the most felt thing, so that's what I would expect if you were. And, and the Yankees keep winning. And the Yankees that's keep winning. <laughs> yeah. Um, but this is the uh, Mouse Turds era, so all this stuff is weird now. Six and oh in the Mouse Turds era, people. Catch the fever. Mouse Turds era was basically... Everyone should know this. Anyone who's listening to this probably knows this. Uh, Ken Rosenthal, not Ken Rosenthal, but Ken Rosenthal, <laughs> uh, the the uh, famous sideline reporter for Major League Baseball. The Giants got their one national broadcast of the year, I think, <laughs> against the Mets last Saturday. And, um, and afterwards, you know, he had to have something to write about, some sort of feature story. And, you know, the Mets are covered constantly, so he wrote about the Giants. And... Seem to find some seeds of discontent or what have you in the Giants clubhouse. That seems hardly not worth covering at all. We, I think we talked about it a little bit with the stretching and the hey-hey and whatever. But the Giants' response to that, I, I feel like, where the hell did Bruce Bochy get mouse turds from? Uh, I mean, it's just, the, I, I assume it's the smallest amount of poop that he could imagine. Because you're pole vaulting <laughs> over something, so you're way above it. But you need something really small, so you, it needs to be like a small animal's poop. Okay, so, so let's break it. Let's break down this say, this saying no one has ever said. <laughs> I, by the way, I love this saying. It's a great saying. 
<laughs> it's pool vaulting over mouse turds, to be honest, he said. So it's making a big deal out of something really small and insignificant. Yeah. So that's what he's saying. Okay. Well, I was... <laughs> uh, I... <laughs> this sounds like Bruce Bochy is an amateur phraseologist or <laughs> he's trying to invent like the Simpsons writers for a long time, tried to invent words. He's trying to invent phrases or maybe the Bochies have a very, their own language, their it's own, <laughs> but pool vaulting over mouse turds. I mean, th- it seems so patently Bochy that even initially you don't even consider that it's, 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 Ken Rosenthal's a mouse? He wouldn't, he wouldn't make that. He wouldn't do that. No, I don't think he would do that. So he's, he's saying it's... Okay. So, <laughs> uh, essentially, my, my bigger thought is, is that Bruce Bochy is, sounds like a funny guy. And maybe that's my third wish. So 20 home runs, Buster Posey. Wait, fourth wish. 20 home runs, Buster Posey. 30 home runs, Brandon Belt. 18 plus losses for a giant starting pitcher. Bruce Bochy just, he doesn't have to turn into a stand-up comic, but the last three months of the season, it's just, he's wearing his hat sideways in the dugout more often. He's cracking jokes. I want to see more Juan Uribe dancing <laughs> type situations come up. Um, maybe just more fun. But he can't, he, he's so professional, he, I can't see him doing that. But we need more mouse turds, Bochy. That's what, I, we need, we need I'm, this is me, you hear me think out loud, I apologize, but if you've been listening to 61 of these, you know the deal. <laughs> uh, I, want, I want three more good Bochy fa- uh, phrases after Mouse Turds. So four total, one a month. <laughs> the rest of the season. Tough, but it's doable. I feel like with this team, he could get there. He could get, I mean, they are an inspiration in that way. <laughs> Um, I told Doug when we started, before we started talking, that I had several items on the list and we're just about done. Uh, so a couple of transactions, we don't usually go through all the Giants transactions. Um, but again, there's actually a lot to, to talk about. We don't have to go through them quickly. The most disappointing one of all, uh, is Christian Arroyo is going to miss two months because of a broken hand. Um, and he broke his hand. There's video of it. You can find it online. Uh, and that sucks because he would have been nice to come up uh, in September, which he probably will. But, you know, come up in September having played a full season in the minors. And now he's going to miss some time. And that's going to affect his, you know, his playing time and his getting back up to game speed and all that stuff. I think he's a nice player. Or at least I'm, I remain bullish on him from the limited exposure we had, which is not always the case when they call up a guy. Ryder Jones? Eh. <laughs> I think he needs to spend a little more time down there. Austin Slater? Austin Slater's been really good, and I, I think I'm good. I'm sticking with my fourth outfielder guy, but, you know, he's been solid. That's great. Ryder Jones? I think he needs a little more time. Christian Oreo? I'm glad they sent him down, but, you know, he's interesting. Um, I, I think I'm just big on the right-handed power now. I want another Jeff Kent or Ellis Burks. Right. No, it's fun. It's, uh, he's, you know, he's good. And I was, I was actually at that game, uh, when he, on, on Saturday. When so he... you broke his hand. Well, I mean, <laughs> a little strong. I mean, I only, 
like people don't break hands, balls break hands. Just because I threw the ball at his hand and hit him doesn't mean I broke his hand. <laughs> like maybe his hand shouldn't have been there. I don't know who's to say. Like we're not. Let's not to make semantics. If you listen to the video, you can. I can hear you saying, or you can hear Doug saying, "I'm sorry. I'm not even supposed to be here today." <laughs> right before you throw the pitch. <laughs> um. Well, no, that was just to be a dick to him because he hates clerks. <laughs> he, he was like, damn it, a clerk's reference, and then I broke his hand. That's right. Um, but no, so he was, he knew immediately. Uh, it was just one of those things where it, you know, he, after he got hit, you, you could see him walking off the field, and I have never seen anyone as angry as he was because he knew what had just happened, and it hurt a lot, I'm sure, too. But there's more to that than just physical pain. There's like, oh God, he had just gotten back from having from an injury caused by being hit in the hand. That was his first game back, and then that mm. happened. So it was pretty awful. Yeah, I mean, angrier than Madison Bumgarner at Yasiel Puig. Yeah, yeah. Angrier no. than Madison Bumgarner versus Will Myers. Uh, I don't know. Okay, I will say this. I don't know if he was angrier than. Uh, Hunter Strickland appalled that Bryce Harper had the audacity to charge him. That might have been about the same level of anger, but yeah. Uh, I like I like his focus. If he's a less dickish Jeff Kent with the same intensity, that would be fantastic. Um, yeah, I mean, he, get get well soon, Krishnoro. That is a tough. I'm not going to say it. That is a tough uh, turn of events. Tough turn of events. <laughs> I was walking right into that, and I did not. I did not like where that was going. Uh, and then Joan Joan Gregorio is suspended using st- Stenozolol. L O L O L O L Stenozolol. <laughs> so he's gone for the season. And uh, does it really matter? The Giants' pitching prospects have not really panned out. So just throw another one on the pile at this point. <laughs> Uh, I'm not even sure if Gregorio was having that great of a season. So he was, his ERA was very good. Um, the, like the more advanced sets and really back that up, his strikeouts and walks, those numbers were not very impressive. And just from a scouting perspective, he had a tendency to get really deep in the count, so he couldn't throw a lot of innings. Like if he went six innings, that was a lot of innings for him. You would expect about five because it would just be three, one, three, two to hitter after hitter. Was he the one who, who's getting fat? No. No, he's not getting fat. He's just a million uh, feet tall, and he used to be a beanpole, yeah. and he sort of started to fill out. Which <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Wonder, <laughs> wonder if there's a coincidence there. Oh, yes, I am sadly mistaken. Uh, pretty good numbers for the PCL, though. Yeah, no, I mean, the ERA was good for the PCL, but again, the strikeouts and walks were pretty worrying, and then the, the scouting... All right, so we don't really cover transactions, but those are interesting ones because, you know, the Giants have to look towards the future. (laughs) Uh, One last thing before we get to your Twitter questions that we didn't put in the belt segment, just an oversight on my part, but relates to looking towards the future. Remember when they said instant replay was going to be the future? It was going to make baseball better. (laughs) Um, I hate instant replay 
If you are not a Giants fan listening to this, you'd say, well, of course you would say that. Of course I would say that. I'm only seeing the worst side of, of replay. How many times on one hand, or how many times as Giants fans or other teams looking at the Giants, could you reasonably say that replay has gone for the Giants in such a way that it's it's ridiculous? The only thing that I can think of that stands out as a positive, famous Giants moment uh, in replay history is Game 7 of the World Series. <laughs> I mean, it was not a controversial one. call. right? No, but I'm saying it wasn't a controversial call. No. So the only positive thing I can think of regarding replay for the Giants, and yes, of course, there have been challenges the Giants have won, etc. Uh, things have gone in their way sometimes, but the only fan... On the other hand, the Giants have lost... I think they were the first team to lose a game based on a, on a replay call, like it ended on a replay call. They were um, against Pittsburgh. <laughs> they were in Pittsburgh. I don't yeah. remember what year it was. Yeah. And then they, and then Brandon Belt gets called out the on Saturday for on a fly ball not touching second base on his way back, to, heading towards third and failing to touch second base on his way back to first on a fly out. He was running; it was like a hit and run, uh, and that was actual bullshit. That, I mean, <laughs> that was. And let's not forget the call in Atlanta on Belt that was also actual bullshit. Yes. Uh, if you look at MLB's replay Twitter account, which they have, they showed the one frame to make their case, and they said that was the case. Regardless of the fact that baseball... Ha- that's what replay has been reduced to. It's been reduced to one frame. If you can prove it in one frame, it has happened. That is, that's like the whole a guy is sliding onto a bag, and he's off the bag for a microsecond, but you held the tag, so he's out. It's bullshit. I, the call is supposed I, to be so. It's supposed to be so that if a guy who's clearly out is called safe and a perfect game gets blown, that's what it's there for. Hey, <laughs> you know, in my opinion, what the Giants should do is they should hire a full-time replay lawyer to just live at the replay center in New York <laughs> and just litigate it. Just like that's you want to make lawyer ball, but I mean that is you. yeah, that is lawyer ball. That's what the what was that online complaint that guy oh because it was about sabermetrics calling it lawyer ball like winning on technicalities that literally is what this is right. it's sticking to the letter of the law to such an absurd extent that it undermines the entire value and premise of the system you've instituted we're trying to get it right you are trying to get it right but not down to microns <laughs> not down <laughs> you're not on the molecular level of the game that was not the point of it right we're not if you're Eisenberg's uncertainty principle in this well <laughs> technically you don't know that where anything is at any time so you can't actually call anyone safe here <laughs> I mean you're <laughs> how does it expand out from there uh you know you can't expand it out from there. So now you're you're allowing replay challenges in these weird gray areas, which is a, a problem right off the bat. It creates these slippery slippery slopes, slippery slopes, including saying the phrase slippery slope. Um, it really should just be for safe or out. That's now what I'm landing on. Safe or out. Do you have to determine if the guy was in the catcher was in the the runner's lane? Maybe you have to do that because that is a safety rule, and that 
seems more clear cut, but I really think it just should, should just be fair or foul, safer out. I mean, that's 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 it. I think that um, I think the way it's used is fine. I just think that there should be sort of a self-enforced rule: don't do it for garbage. Like, but that's what I mean. Don't you do have to, But that's what I'm saying. It actually needs to be narrowed down to just a few. It's it's right now. It is it is quickly becoming a cheesecake factory menu. <laughs> it's just pages and pages of it's just gradations of things. It's like okay, you have. Oh, you have the fish taco sampler. Oh, the chicken taco sampler. Oh, you have avocado rolls. Great. Oh, you have regular egg rolls. Okay, fine, fine. How about just you keep the menu small and you make it that basic. If you start, if you think the guy didn't tag the base, that's a challenge to the umpire as it was. Because you know what? We're not using replay to determine if um, to determine balls and strikes. So you're you're acknowledging that gray areas and interpretations are still a part of the game, yep. and so why are you ex- letting video encroach on that? Fair or foul, safer out. Was the catcher in the lane? Was the runner interfering with the catcher? Those are those are so basic enough, and there's still going to be controversy over those. You know that. So why invite more of it? So I, I, you know, when a guy's stealing and they, they try to figure out if he was safe or out, I'm fine with that one. And that still has uh, controversy, which, by the way, I think the rev- I don't know how they do the review. It seems to me, though, <laughs> that the review should if like they're trying to determine if a guy's safe at first or tagged or whatever, is that the, re- the review should come in two phases. One is where is the like timing where the ball is and where the hand is. And then you look and see where the hand is and where the ball is. And that seems like it's the, it's the foundational point of it all. But they go in all these different angles and I don't know what they're looking at suddenly. And that seems very strange. And MLB claims it's looking at different angles, which we don't always see. And yet they still seem to get the calls wrong. Yeah. And the Giants get absolutely hosed on the road for replay challenges. Yeah, it's bad. And Replay has been bad. Bad. His his momentum was taking him towards third base. He's his foot started on second base as he was running towards first base. I don't I don't know what that is litigating. That is that is interpreting the letter of the law. <laughs> he wasn't even facing third base. No. It's just, it's just dumb. Stop being dumb, baseball. Giants are dumb enough without you. God. Uh, do we have any Twitter twi- uh, Twitter questions this week? We do. We were not good about asking them recently, so sorry about that. But we have two questions. The first one comes from Steve Svensson, who asked, which aging outfielders in decline are you most excited for the Giants pursuing? Lorenzo Cain, McCutcheon? Does Daniel Navas still play baseball? <laughs> well, we joked somewhat seriously last year that Daniel Nava was going to be a big off-season target. (laughs) (laughs) That did not come to fruition, thankfully. Uh, I don't see the Giants making any free agent moves. I feel like this is... The word that's being bandied about is reload, right? Yeah. And that's coming from the beat writer, so it's coming from the top? Yeah. So, to me, reload does not imply 
go and get free agents. Right, that implies that's a Melky Cabrera deal. At, if you're lucky. Well, yeah, Daniel I mean, that's is still playing. Not, they're not going to go for a big yeah. free agent. They're going to go for that trade. Daniel Nava is still playing baseball, and he's having an outstanding season at his age 34 year. For the Philadelphia Phillies, he's hitting his slash line is 300, 394, and 417. That would make him the. I was not aware of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that is that is shocking. That is surprising. <laughs> 18 walks against 27 strikeouts. 27 strikeouts in uh, 142 blade appearances. Uh, his on-base percentage career-wise is a little bit better than I thought it would be. but uh, And I thought his strikeout swap would be a little more severe, but nope. Uh, yeah, so he's still playing baseball. So if the Giants had been close, to the, he would have probably been a deadline deal. Right. Absolutely. Because I would say that they would like Austin Slater, but if, if say, the Giants were like, uh, I don't know, if they had like 40-something wins right now or close to 500 or maybe even a little bit over, they would have, with Slater in left field, uh, they would have been like, well, we like Slater a lot, but he's never played a full season. We want someone with veteran experience, blah, 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 blah. And then he would have come. They would have gotten him. That's my... Um, yeah. I, I would say the only aging outfielder in decline you're definitely going to see next year on the Giants is Hunter Pence. That's right. In the last year of that deal, the interesting thing is, does he make, does he last the season? Yeah. If he plays, way. if he... If yeah, if he plays as he's playing now, he'll he'll make it through the season. Keeping in mind he's not playing well right now. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, yeah. our other question this week comes from Lars at Lars the Wanderer, who asked, "Why am I not allowed to set politicians on fire?" There are laws against that. That's it's, the only reason why. It's because politicians <laughs> make the laws. Yeah. So, I mean, that's really the problem. They shouldn't get to make laws that affect politicians because there's a clear bias there. That's right. They also get to give themselves raises and benefits <laughs> and, and complain about taxpayer money being spent while deciding how to use it for themselves. So, But part of this is an agreement we make with them, and it's an interesting situation where whatever side of the aisle you're on, and it's kind of ridiculous that there's only two sides. You can go back 20 years, 30 years, uh, 40 years, and you can find grievances to say, that pact is not being honored by at least one side. Right. (laughs) Pretty strongly by one side. And so I think maybe now this is the second consecutive generation because now it's just becoming it's becoming more nakedly apparent that we're getting screwed in the pact to say why what else can we do <laughs> cuz the voting's not working so what else what are other options fire and so that's going to be an interesting yeah well it could, it could be lots of things but i'm just saying it, it it'll be an interesting discussion going on one quick thing i'm surprised by the number of famous people and decision-making people who are now 70-plus years old, it's a pretty shocking number. It is. I guess I just never thought, I never stopped to consider it. Larry David turned 30 years old today, and uh, Steven Spielberg, 70 or 71. You just said Larry David uh, turned 30 years old. 70 years old today, today on the 3rd, that's what I meant to say. Right. <laughs> um, 
Uh, Nancy Pelosi, she's 71, I think. Bernie Sanders is 70. Hillary Clinton, 69. Nice. 68, nice, yeah. Um, The president is, you know, his brain is totally gone. He's 71, that makes sense. Um, So these are some old people. (laughs) Those are just off the top of my head. Um, But there's a lot of these old people. Uh, Charles Johnson, the Giants owner, I think he's... So I think he's 76. He's, I think he's in his 80s. I think we looked it ah, up. Even worse. Yeah. <laughs> uh, towards the end of my grandfather's life, he was... So he passed away in 2014. He thought it was 2008 for at least the last three or four years of his life. Like he stopped accumulating the awareness of time past 2008. Oh, that's... So that was that was a weird thing to have happen, and now he was much older than a lot of these people. But I'm also thinking like that is still a scary possibility for people's brains, and there's no sign that any of these people are not going to be around for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Terrifying. Uh, oh yeah, Charles Johnson is 84. There we go. So can't do anything about that, Lars. Because voting is not even going to work anymore. They've changed the rules on voting. Um, the interesting thing that's going to happen is what the country and the civilization is going to look like 30 years from now. Who, and I was thinking like, oh my God, I'll be in my 60s. Or will I even be alive? <laughs> but essentially, this, last, this generation is getting one last pump. You know, they're, they're one last pump from the well. They're getting, you know, they're flogging the horse one last time, you know, they're using up their last batch of Viagra pills, whatever it is, they're getting one last ride. Yeah, that's, on that's the a different kind of pump. Right, because they can't take it with them. <laughs> so they're going to make sure that they're going to outlive their enemies and they're going to get it all. And all that money is just going to be parked in accounts, not doing anything so that people can measure it and compare and be happy. And then their little sycophants running around can say, we're giving you freedom to choose what you want by giving you nothing to choose from. Aren't you free now? (laughs) Your options are work until you're dead and be miserable or go to jail. (laughs) Those are your options. Or you can fight in a war for us. You can do that and you can go die somewhere else while we accumulate uh, assets. Uh, that's kind of what the Giants are asking their players to do. See how I brought it back into the Giants. <laughs> kind of. Uh, happy Fourth of July. That's a great question to end on for Independence Day, though. That is. Thanks, Lars. We, yeah. I, I mean, we fought uh, tyranny of taxation without representation, and the British Empire was, they were treating us like a colony, and somehow that's been twisted into our own federal government is a colonial empire treating private businessmen like their own colonies. So we need to turn the tables on them by buying the politicians who run the government so that they work for us. That's, that's how it's been twisted. Um, right? Did I get that right? I, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> all that's going on is that the giants are being taxed because they went all in this year. That's right. And you're being and taxed for watching them. That's right. You're getting taxed for watching. 
I still strongly recommend the radio broadcasts. They are fantastic. You can wash dishes to them, laundry, whatever it is. And John and Dave are definitely in a st- and and uh, Dwayne Kuiper when he goes over to the radio side. They're all uh, each month getting a little bit closer to F it all. <laughs> And it's pretty great. They're not like miserable watching the games. They're not turning into Major League, Bob Euchre, Major League. They are basically going on tangents and having fun. And that's the best way to enjoy the games. I will add one last note. Javier Lopez is doing fantastic on the broadcast side. Yeah. On the TV yeah. side. He's been really good. Yeah. So thanks for that because I've, I used to wonder, now I don't care, but I used to wonder like, what are the Giants going to do? When Miller retires, Kuiper retires, Krugo retires. Like Fleming is good. They got him in. They kind of built us up into being to liking him and getting to know him. Now you got to mix it up. You've got to have. You've still got to kind of have those general archetypes. You got to have a guy with a rich voice. You've got to have like the 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 savvy veteran who's like a surprisingly great broadcaster. These are not easy things to do, but uh, uh, so we'll see what happens. The next few years for the Giants are going to be very interesting. Yep. Right? I think so. I hope, as long as you're not watching the games. Right. Okay. Um, leave us your comments. Any questions you have? We're going to do. We're going to try to do another All Star Croncast, the one that wrecked the 2016 Giants. And you can't wreck this team any more than it already is. So maybe two negatives equal a positive this time, Doug. That's, let's hope. <laughs> Let's let's really just jinx this because you can you can reverse jinx something. That's right. Uh, so you can add us your questions at McCromcast or in the comments, like I said, or at every six day. That's my Twitter. And Doug, where can they find you? I am at Moonwalk McFly. And uh, we'll also be making funny quips and comments and screen caps about the Giants games during the week. So follow us. Get your information from McCoveyChronicles.com. Grant Brisby, TV star. Runs the site, writes great content every day, and we will talk to you later. Okay. Have a great holiday, everyone. Bye. Bye, Doug. Bye.